1: Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. On today's show, we'll speak with Timothy Lewis, a heart transplant recipient who's got a great story to tell about his life and his participation in the recent U.S. transplant games in Salt Lake City, Utah. But first, Mike Dennis, Ole Miss M-Club member, Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame inductee, was on the show recently. We didn't have enough time to broadcast all of our conversation, so we'll get to some of that now. Here's Mike and myself talking about Ole Miss's upcoming season and coaches we've known. Tell me a little bit about your time at Murrah and Coach Carlisle, and uh, you know what—you've you, you, played for uh, an incredible list of coaches that you've named for. Yeah. Us. That's quite a pedigree. Uh, but I know that he, for people who knew him, could be as or maybe more memorable than than just about any of those guys. Yeah, I mean, he was. We he had, could be a wild guy. We had to a be
2: great <laughs> man. It was our football coach, Jim Merritt. My tenth and great and eleventh grade year, he—he he was fantastic. He just just the finest guy you would ever know mm-hmm. but when coach jack came in he came in my senior year and uh, he just brought work ethics and things that yeah. we hadn't seen before he just pushed us i mean and we kind of got it to be like a band of brothers working under him and we had a great my senior year we had a great year we didn't we lost no regular season games we made it to the state championship with coach carlisle and played a laurel team that was really good yeah. Yeah, I think he got me ready for the SEC. Interesting. Yeah, because when I went up there and. Of course, I, I was gung ho football, no question about it. And I got up there and Wobble I'd heard all about Wobble Davidson <laughs> at Ole Miss. Yeah, It's a freshman coach, and boy, he he and I did never had any problems. And he he was, you know, it just. I think it was because of Coach Carlisle. Yeah, I was. You were ready for it. I was ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I really I really appreciate what Coach Carlisle did. And I, I still get. He he lives up in New Albany, which is not far from me. Yeah, and I get to see him every once in a while. That's wild. Yeah, that's go, wild. Yeah, he comes. He, he likes to fish, and he comes over and fishes occasionally. But he he's doing good.
1: He's I think he's eighty nine now. Yeah, I my connection to him. I think uh, his last few years of coaching uh, in high school for a year or two. I attended University Christian School in Brandon, mm-hmm. and I think um, his last couple of years of coaching. I think he coached there. Yeah, and I didn't play football. I was there to play baseball, but um, I did he did teach a class if I'm not mistaken, that I was in, and he would tell us uh, stories. He would tell us stories about strategy and things like and oh. stuff like um, and related to football. Yeah, <laughs> and and well, that football and and kind of not football necessarily. No. Where uh, I guess it was you know, at Newell Field, uh, yeah, where, that's where we the, played. I guess at the time that the technology was just coming around, where coaches would watch from the press box so they could see the field better, of mm-hmm. course, and then they would use walkie talk. Um, to kind of relay information back and forth, and I think mm-hmm. Coach Carl got a couple of the science kids, or something like that, or trainers really? for the football team, and yeah. you know they figured out how to tap into the opposing team's frequency that they were using of those walkie-talkies <laughs> or something like that. It yeah. was it was it was fantastic. That's, that's
2: been a like, problem with even in the pro level, <laughs> right? Absolutely. To this but, very day.
1: Uh, yeah. Let me ask you about when we were coming out of Murrah. Um, this is still. The, the early 1960s, uh, Bear Bryant's coaching at Alabama, Johnny Vaught's coaching at Ole Miss. So I, what was that like?
2: I really got to be close friends with Coach Bryant, and uh, he was really disappointed <laughs> when I signed. Uh, <laughs> he and sent his son over, Goodness. I think, to five of my home games. Wow. Like I said, we were close, but at the end, I, you know, I wanted to stay. And Coach Bruiser came down and talked to me. I wanted to stay in Mississippi. Where my friends were, I had a lot of friends that were going to be going to Ole Miss, and and I I never regretted it. You know, we had some good teams. We played Alabama. Uh, We played Bear twice when I was there. and We didn't win, but we should have. Yeah. (laughs) We could have. Yeah. But uh, uh, Coach Vaught was, you know, he was such a great organizer, and he he was a fantastic coach and and led us to a lot of victories when he was there.
1: Were there any other schools that were in on you trying to make a play for you? I'm sure there were a ton, but were there any serious... uh, Well, Mississippi State was serious.
2: LSU, Scooter Purvis. He played with Billy Cannon in that '58 crew. Yeah, he was assistant, one of our assistant coaches at Murrah. and he left though my junior year and went to LSU. So, you know, we were yeah, friends, yeah. and mm-hmm. so he was trying to get me to, to come down to LSU. Wow! And so we, my dad and I took a visit, and uh, we parked our car down at the ball game, old Miss. LSU game. And after the game, we walked back outside and went, was, was going to our car. And uh, my dad saw some guys, you know, that were over by the car pushing it, rocking it, <laughs> because it had a Mississippi tag on it. Good grief. And so my dad was a fiery guy, and uh, he he was really ready to fight. <laughs> but uh, it didn't happen, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we got in the car, and we're driving back to Jackson and he said son I'll let you go anywhere you want to go but please don't go to LSU (laughs) a lesson to be learned from fans to to the modern day yeah and uh, that's and that kind of when my dad said that I kind of shut shut LSU out of it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's great in the past year, uh, or just recently, actually, Billy Brewer passed away. Yeah. Uh, I remember him saying in an interview on the radio once, about 10 years ago or so, that he was he was floored that when he came back to Ole Miss as a coach, and I think it was 81, mm-hmm. um, that the facilities, the stadium, the the workout rooms, everything, it was the very same as he had left it as a player. Yeah. Um, it went through a period that we didn't do much, you're yeah. right,
2: facility-wise.
1: But, but to see how far it's come since yeah. then, specifically since this whole, the SEC Network thing and the, mm-hmm. the money that each school gets from the TV revenue. I, I, I think it's been an equalizer for the two Mississippi schools yeah. as much as anything in the last 50, 60 years. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I
2: mean, we've got great facilities now. I yeah. mean, we do. It's just, I mean, we didn't have facilities like that with the Rams. I mean. right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there were great highs, highs not experienced in twenty. 530 years, but there are also some some pretty publicly lived lows in Billy Brewer's time at Ole Miss. How important ultimately is he to what Ole Miss football is and where it is right now? Well, Billy
2: was a fighter. I mean, <laughs> he did what whatever it took yeah. to get the guys ready. The dog, the dog. Yeah, I miss him. You know, I saw him every Sunday morning. He sat on the back pew at our church, University of <laughs> Methodist in Oxford, and I'd sleep him and he'd always be glad to see me yeah yeah i sure hate that he passed away yeah but uh he 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 was he got things going when it were when things were really bad yeah and uh that that really helped us really our our program no Mm -hmm. question yeah
1: what do you think about the? Uh, you're in Oxford these days. Mm-hmm. So you're still close to the university and close to that football program. Tell oh, I me mean, yeah. what you think. I mean, the last five years or so have been some tumultuous times. But they've got an Ole Miss guy with an Ole Miss family name through and through. Yeah. That you know, kind of took the took the underdog route to being named the head coach there. And it's in in, in this modern age, you know, when you're looking for that that young guy who's well spoken and looks like he's out of a magazine and has to be. Able Able to, to to you know, glad hand with fans and CEOs of companies and boosters and all this stuff at the same time. it, it it's to me anyway. It's a little refreshing to see a football guy yeah. get the football. Not that other guys aren't. Right. But you know what I'm saying. Well, and
2: I've known I've known Matt Luke for most of his life. I played with his dad, right. Tommy. Yeah, we were freshmen together. Played all the way through you know, Ole Miss together. We've Known him a long time. That, that's a great family. Mm-hmm. And I just can't think of anybody else that would be so passionate for winning, and and to work so hard for Ole Miss. I, I'm really happy that we got him, and I, I think he's doing. He can, he can recruit. He he has good coaches. Uh, I, I really like Matt and. Uh, I think I think he's our he's our man, and I hope you know we're gonna come along, and I hope we're gonna do a whole lot better than people think we are. Yeah. Uh, one more year, and we'll be have that bowl band behind us, and we can get back to the yeah, you know like the... They've worked hard and got things going, and like I said, I think Matt, if we'll give him a little time with his ability to recruit mm-hmm. and his ability to get good coaches uh he he cares about the players I think they 're going to play for him well, I, you know they they are, and uh, I look for good things in the future for our football program, yeah, yeah.
1: Once again, that's Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame member, former Ole Miss Rebel, former pro football player Mike Dennis. When we come back from the break, we'll speak with Transplant Games participant Timothy Lewis about his old life, his new life, and athletics. With producer Liz Gill, I'm Jay White. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. back to MPB Season Pass with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'd love to welcome to the show now Timothy Lewis, a resident of Jackson, but a member of Team Texas at the recent te- uh, transplant games of America, a sporting competition held annually for living donors and transplant recipients. Welcome to the show, Timothy Lewis. Uh, thank you, Jay. I'm glad to be here. So wait, for, first thing I got to ask, and you're a native of Jackson, but you're part of Team Texas. They, did they did they give you more
3: money or something like that? What did, they, what, did <laughs> what did Team Texas do to get you over there? Well, we I wish that he'd give me more money, Jay. <laughs> But uh, uh, the truth of the matter is that I received my heart transplant uh, from Houston. Yeah. Houston Methodist Hospital. So uh, back in uh, January the 4th, 2014, and I was approached to be a part of their team soon after the transplant we went to the games when it was being hosted by Texas. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with the team and, and fell in love with the game. So I'm a, I'm a Mississippian, Texas. <laughs> gotcha!
1: I gotcha. Uh, so, medically speaking, how did you qualify for the transplant games?
3: Well, um, that's an interesting way of, of putting it. How I got qualified, <laughs> <laughs> I qualified to be a part of the transplant team and be a part of the transplant games simply because I was uh, diagnosed with congestive heart failure, cardiomyopathy, uh, back in January the 21st, 2012. And uh, fast forwarding that, I uh, had a heart transplant uh, back in January the 4th, 2014. So in order to be a part of this um, community, you do have to have an organ transplant.
1: Yeah. What did uh, the opportunity to participate in the games mean to you?
3: It meant a lot to me, Jay. It, 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 gives, it shows um, others uh, in the community that after having a transplant, you can live a, a full life. You can live a healthy life. Yeah. You can live an active life. And, and being a part of these games is sort of like... You're dreaming all over again. You have the second chance to do things that you normally would have not done uh, without the transplant. And then you get an opportunity to meet a lot of your fellow um, brothers and sisters who have had transplant across the United States. But the most important part about the games is that the donor family. Yeah. You get a chance to meet the donor family and hear their story, hear their why, why they uh, made the decision that they made at such a critical time in their life. Having a loved one um, about to expire, and then someone tap them on the shoulder and say, "Do you want to be a organ donor?" Yeah,
1: yeah. Now I know, and and I can't imagine because I haven't been in the situation, but I I imagine it's it's it can be a a pretty big thing and a difficult thing to wrap your head around the 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 entire experience, and you know from you know from a physical and emotional standpoint, it's hard to envelop entirely. But going to these transplant games and being in that environment with these many other people who've gone through the same experience did it did it give you a, a, a different perspective of it did it make it hit home any differently or any more than it had in the past did it make you you know just kind of reconsider or
3: consider again the, the what all you had been through well going through these games here and, and meeting the various people is very emotional yeah because uh, you have a story Yourself uh, going through that process or the journey, as we call it, and then you, you you meet someone who had a double lung transplant. And you and you stand there and you listen to their story, uh, um, some defeat and then most victory yeah. uh, in the process, and then you hear someone else who have um, a long and a heart transplant, liver transplant, kidney transplant, and then you see the length of time. So we go. For, we have an emotional roller coaster, actually, yeah. because the, the in, in listening to the stories. There's a saddened part about it because you hear the process of it. And then when you ask how many years you've been out, and you hear someone say, I've been out uh, 34 years, that's our term of saying how many years have you had your organ. Yeah. So you had your organ tw- 34 years, 24 years, 23 years. Wow. Now we go from this sadness to this jubilant state and just really being excited about that because uh, when I meet someone, uh, that had a heart transplant and they tell me they had a heart transplant for the, for 20 years now. I'm four years out. That's very exciting for me and that's a goal that I want to reach. Yeah.
1: So at the transplant games, I, it, it, at any level, I mean, there, at any level of competition, you're going to have people that take it very seriously. But because you have a participation base that has had much more serious things to consider in life than the outcome of games, does that change the competitive nature of it, or do you still get people that are, you know, pretty hot and heavy on 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 winning the thing? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's
3: very competitive. <laughs> it's, it's very competitive.
1: Not very to say that it's not competitive, yeah. but do do you have a um, um, a participation base that you know I would think pretty obviously has the ability to keep everything in the
3: proper perspective? Well, here, here's the thing: is uh, again, it's competitive, but yet we know why we're there. Yeah, you know, we know why we're there. Uh, uh, I think in any game that you get involved in, you're gonna, your competitiveness or your competitive nature going to come out. But uh, at the end of the day, we know that had not been for the organ transplant, none of us would be able to compete in these games. And then when we go into the games, not only are we going there to compete, but every city that we go into, we're going into that city to bring about awareness. Yeah. Awareness of uh, organ donation, organ transplantation. A lot of people don't really know about this, this community and, and how it has affected um, the United States. You know, so when we're going there, we, we're bringing about awareness. We want to increase the donor registry yeah. uh, in that particular location uh, by talking about the games, by having it being broadcast on the radio, or someone writing articles about it during the event, and then that way that we can get the word out that one life can save one person can save eight lives. Yeah,
1: I imagine uh, the 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 competitors. You could have a bunch of really good coaches. Out of the people who are competing in this game, in these games. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so were you, h- how much of an athlete, or were you much of an athlete, before your transplant? I
3: was. I, I played basketball, football, and baseball in high school. Uh, and believe it or not, I got a football scholarship and to go to college. All right. As small as I am. <laughs> no, you're not a small guy? Not a small guy. All right. So where'd you go to high school?
1: I went to Humphreys County High. Humphreys County. In Belzona, yeah. Mississippi. Absolutely. But, All right. Very cool. Uh, so tell us about your transplant story. I mean, you told us a little bit. Uh, it was in Texas and
3: Houston. Uh, but if you will, tell us a little bit uh, more about your story. Right, here's, here's my story. Um, I, went, I was actually invited to go to a heart transplant or heart screening uh, here in Jackson, Mississippi, at the Trademark Center on January the 21st, 2012. And a very good friend of mine invited me to go. And so what I did was I asked some of our church members to go with us, some of my brothers and sisters at the church. And so we went and it was about a thousand people at the trademark center that day. And so they had this makeshift um uh, uh, um, set up inside the trademark center they were doing blood work and all the, the uh, um, uh, vital signs all of these things have were being done so they took me into one of the makeshift areas and uh, they did EKG on me and they did echocardiogram. and one cardiologist went in and, and looked at the screen left out, brought another one in uh-uh. and they both looked at the screen, the third one came in along with them the next time and the third one looked at me and said you may have save your life by coming in here your heart is functioning at 25% wow I had no idea yeah and they started drilling me about um, a lot of questions you know are you fatigued when you're walking Uh, can you only walk 10 paces and have to stop and rest for a while All these things have been going on with it. I said, I I had none of those signs. I said, as a matter of fact, I just finished playing basketball the week prior at our church with a a group of children. And uh, that's how active I was. I had no idea that I was that sick. And so... um, as time progressed, uh, in May, 8, May the 18th, 2012, my um, left ventricle of my heart quit functioning, and by December the 3rd, uh, 2013, the right ventricle quit functioning, and so now I'm sitting in the ICU unit uh, for 30 days in the Houston Methodist Hospital, and I was actually uh, referred to go there by my cardiologist here, and and I'm sitting there waiting 30 days now uh, inside that unit, and, and I knew, my wife and I, we both knew that that in order to have a heart transplant, somebody had to die in order for me to Leo. Yeah. So we began to pray uh for our donor. We prayed for our donor, we prayed for the donor family We had no idea who was going to be. Yeah. And um and we waited. And then on the January the 3rd, uh my doctors came into my room and told me, "We may have found an organ a match for you." But you have a small window, and within that small window, you have to accept it or decline it. And so, my wife and I, we we accepted it. And uh, January fourth, the they start prepping me for the transplant. Wow.
1: So, what's that like? That feeling? Number one, of sitting in that room for thirty minutes or thirty days, and not knowing, and then all of a sudden, quickly getting the answer and then having to basically just like cut bait with all that emotion you'd been feeling and go in this different direction.
3: Well, it's like, it's like you, you, you have come to a place in your life that, okay, this may not happen in that waiting period. It may not happen. And you begin to accept some things and, and, uh, and prepare yourself and not only yourself but your family and then so we, we have this low moment in the in that room and then when we get the, the news that there is a match all of a sudden it's like whatever energy that you didn't have, It came from somewhere, you have a burst of energy, you feel alive again because you feel hopeful. Uh, Going through this process, uh, there is is little hope there. I can, um, let me share this with you, on December the the 21st, 2013, our youngest daughter, uh, after the doctors had told them, she and my wife, that... uh, I was at the end stage of congestive heart failure. And so my daughter and her fiancé was planning a wedding in March 2014. So they went to the hospital and went to the doctors and, and asked could they have the wedding there because she wanted me to walk her down the aisle. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want me to miss that yeah. uh, that special moment with her. and And they approved it. And we had a wedding. In the chapel of the hospital. Wow. And I was able to get up out of my wheelchair with a a balloon pump attached to me that was pumping the blood through my body because my heart had failed, And I was able to walk her down the aisle and give her away. Wow, that's, that's a
1: remarkable story. <laughs> something, uh, I'm, I mean, something I know you won't ever forget, so
3: no, forget it. Do you know your donor's story? I do. I do. My donor, an uh, uh, 18-year-old young man uh, out of Austin, Texas, had just graduated from high school. He was on his way to uh, attend college. His mother told me that he was uh, uh, very skilled in, in music. He was in the band. Uh, and uh he had a, a very good understanding of physics in school and, and then he loved to bake he loved to bake uh she told me that that christmas uh that year Christmas of 2013 they had just mm-hmm. went into the kitchen and baked some things after church I believe <laughs> it some cookies or something like that and um we don't know exactly what happened to him yeah and and, and that's and that's not important to us Mm -hmm. uh, of what happened. What's important to us is that we can live now and give him honor and and give his mother honor. So, yes, um, I took on... They say that uh, in in the medical field that when you get an organ transplant, you take on some of the characteristics of your donor. And so we've been looking for those things there, and we hear stories of other uh, recipients they talk about their donor. One lady, uh, one man got up after having a heart transplant and and smelt some coffee, and all of a sudden started drinking coffee. Never drank coffee before. Wow. So one of the characteristics that I uh, I like to display about my donor is his baking. Yeah. I took on some of this baking, so now I bake homemade cakes. How about and, that? Yeah, I do a lot of that now. As a matter of fact, I just took a cake up to the uh, University Medical Center staff up there on the third floor and shared it with them last week.
1: How heavy does it weigh on you to make sure that you honor the donor and their family? That's every day. Yeah.
3: That's every day. Uh, the, the things that I, I set out to do, uh, one of the things that my nurse told me uh, that was caring for me there in Houston, she gave me a story, but the moral of the story was when she finished it, she said, Timothy, she said that that you have received is that that you give back. I've always been uh, a generous person. Yeah. I've always been Passionate toward people, but this just gives me that that extra that extra push to do what I know to do uh, know how know to do about people or towards people. So yeah, it's every day I'm waking up, um, um, trying to find out what can I do to help others to honor my um, donor. Uh, and the the medals that you all see there now, this will be my third set. And what we do is, I take three of my my medals, and I custom frame them, and I present those medals to the donor mother. That's awesome. And I won't. I'll cost. I want her to know that Brandon, which is his name, Brandon Russey, Brandon is alive in me, and Brandon is also helping me to uh, achieve these achievements, so we're presenting it back to her. Absolutely.
1: It's time for us to get in a break here, but when we come back, we'll continue talking with U.S. transplant games athlete Timothy Lewis and ask him about the games themselves for which he won some serious hardware. With producer Liz Gill, I'm Jay White. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We realize you not might be able to listen to the show in its entirety. To go back and listen to a show at your convenience, download or stream our podcast on whatever platform you receive podcasts or listen on demand, mpbonline.org. We're continuing to speak with Timothy Lewis, a heart transplant recipient and a participant in the U.S. transplant games recently. We've heard about his transplant story now. Tell us about the games themselves, the individual events from the 2018 Transplant Games were the 5K, badminton, ballroom dancing, bowling, cornhole, cycling, darts, golf, racquetball, swimming, table tennis, Texas Hold'em, trivia, and track and field. Tell me a little bit about the ones that you competed in.
3: Well, uh, I didn't compete in all of them, so sure. uh, I competed in—I was listed to compete in uh, team basketball, team volleyball— uh, the track and field will be uh, the hundred meter the two hundred meter race and also the four uh, four hundred uh, mixed relay race and the four hundred relay race long jump high jump, uh, softball throw, disc throw, and um, uh, shot put. And so, those are things I, and and dart, I wanted to participate in. But I I got my medals. I uh, participated in the softball throw and and, uh, I took second place in that, which I'm very proud of. Uh, I threw the softball 212 feet the distance uh, of a football field. Wow. You know, so, no, we know football field is much longer than that, but to throw it 212 feet, yeah, yeah, it's uh, so I took second place in that, and high jump I took first place in it, um, long jump I jumped uh, 13.7 feet, and, and the long jump, and uh, I never done that before in my life, right. <laughs> i never done high jump before. The high jump, that's a difficult thing. Yeah. How old are you, may I ask? Yeah, I'm 53 years old. And you're doing the high jump. Yeah, I'm doing the high jump. I did uh, three feet and six inches. So. The high jump is hard for somebody who's 23 years old to do. Well, we actually had uh, one of the referees there. Uh, I'm a big talker, <laughs> and, and I like to talk to people. So the referee was there, a young, a young gentleman, and I asked him, I said, have you ever done this, this uh, event before? He said, sure. I have and he said I did it in high school. I said, Well how high have you jumped? And he said, I did uh f- five feet and ten inches. I went, wow. I said, can you show me? Yeah. <laughs> so, on the spot, I got some training on the spot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's pretty fascinating, though. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, when you when you uh, came in today, you were wearing, I think, five medals? Six. Six medals. And, uh, man, that, that's a beautiful sight. There some gorgeous medals Thank you. right there. But uh, we were having some fun, and you got to hear the jingle jangle of all those medals hanging <laughs> On your neck, and it's like, uh, do you how often do you wear those? And do you do extra shifty motions so everybody around you can hear the jingle jangle of those uh, those medals you're wearing there?
3: Well, we just got back um, <laughs> the last week from Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, participating in the game. So I have not worn them that many times, but the times I have worn them. Sure. Sure, Jay, I kind of made sure that they jingle a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. I
1: would, too. I, I totally understand. And those are some some uh, gorgeous medals Thank right you. there. So before we let you go, what do you want our listeners to know about organ donation?
3: Uh, what I want the listeners to know is that uh, don't be afraid of having a conversation at the dinner table about organ donation. Uh, family, get around the t- able talk about it, because one person can save eight lives uh, through the process. And and I share with people that if you ever want to leave a legacy, this is a legacy to leave, lifesaver. That's the legacy. Out of all the things that we can accomplish in life, uh, after we uh, depart from here, we can still live on and someone uh, through uh, the donation of life. Get information about it. Become more aware of it. Get involved with um, uh, cheering on those who are uh, champion for organ donation and organ transplantation. Uh, don't be afraid to get the information. And it helped save lives. It saved my life. Uh, through organ donation and receiving of the heart transplant, I've been able to see not only just one grandson, but two wow. grandsons being born and held and being able to hold them and talk to them and share with them that uh, all that I wanted to share and, and uh, before uh, this disease attacked me. And um, also, I want them to know that if I was your brother, if I was your uncle, if I was your your cousin, if I was your friend, if I was your classmate, you would want me to have a transplant Uh, if I was your son. And so, but we have 114,000 people now waiting on the the national waiting list uh, on an organ transplant. And we have about 20 people die per day waiting in that process. So it's important that we do that little card, what we call our driver's license. We can put on the back of that card organ donor, just as simple as that, a simple decision and you can help save someone's life. Absolutely. Uh, uh, do you know, do you have any involvement
1: with uh, Mississippi
3: Oregon Recovery? I do. I've been volunteering with the Mississippi Oregon Recovery uh, Agency now for three years, and uh, uh, we uh, participate in their 8K events each and every year. We go and be. Uh, I'm a speaker for them on uh, certain events that they call and ask me to be, and we also help raise money for them. Yeah, and uh, do the same thing with uh, University Medical Center. I go and uh, I'm over there. Uh, visiting with the patients, um, those who are in the critical care unit, and what we want to do is just bring hope to them. After, after I found out uh, that they are there and they have a heart, they're waiting on a heart transplant, waiting on an organ transplant. Um, I'll be called in and I go over and I share my story with not only the patient but also with the family. Absolutely. All right. So on our uh, website,
1: uh, mpbonline.org, on our page for this episode. we're We'll have information from Mora and how you can uh, contact them and uh, begin the process if you have not already of becoming an organ donor. And we will have a picture uh, of these uh, fabulous medals. a Picture of you there also. I mean, to sell the wrong thing right there. You wearing your fabulous <laughs> medals. Uh, so thank you so much for coming in today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, Jay, for having me. All right, that's Timothy Lewis. We'll uh, take our last break here, and we come back. We'll talk about what's going on around the state of Mississippi. This weekend with sports and activity, you're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning. We're going to round out the show with some events going on around the state this weekend. And as we mentioned last weekend, there are a lot of places that you can run this weekend if you want to do that kind of thing.
4: <laughs> for anybody who wants to do that, a charity run, maybe.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. They're. All, I mean, they're all typically they all have some sort of charity element to them. Uh, but there are a lot of places you can run. This weekend, and um, as we mentioned on the show last week, we have a bunch of those on our website, mpbonline.org. Uh, and I also encourage you to visit the events page. How exactly do they get to that?
4: Uh, if you just go to our main web page, mpbonline.org, and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a big sign that says Mississippi Events. Mm-hmm. And then if you click on that, uh, it has, you know, for weeks and months, it has events that we find interesting and put on for our viewers and listeners to peruse but then also if an organization would like to be on our calendar because it is statewide you can either right next to it click submit an event or you can uh, send your event in an email to events at oh, yeah. mpbonline.org,
1: <laughs> and it's laid out in fancy calendar, like a like line by line event form. There's lots a handful of ways you can look at it, and it's very very helpful and and, and very neat. Well,
4: and it's especially good if you know, say, you're traveling and you're going to visit some place, and you want to know. You know, what's there, but mm-hmm. you don't know what Tupelo's event calendar website is. You can just go to MPB because we, we do really try to have things from all over the state.
1: Yes, and there are um, a handful of different places, municipalities, counties, uh, different things like that, um, that really have active parks and rec uh, departments. And they are putting on different types of things almost every day, for sure, every weekend. And um, it's – I'll say this. If you're a dad, a mom and a dad who has, I don't know, four kids or whatever, and you're looking for a way to not be in the house all weekend or if you're looking for a place that you could take them and wear them out so they'll sleep well, very well, then uh, check out the events calendar. All right, so – we have uh, the Biloxi Shuckers hosting the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Uh, got a game tonight, 6.35 p.m. MGM Park. If you have not had an opportunity to see the Shuckers or the Mississippi Braves, which are the two Southern League, the two professional uh, baseball clubs in Mississippi, time is a running out. That season is very close to being over. In fact, I think there's about a week to go. Uh, I think it ends at the end of August. So uh, just a handful of games left to go to see the Shuckers and the Braves. we got a chance to go out, to. Uh, trust Mark Park and see the Braves this past weekend. It was overcast, seventy-nine and breezy, Ooh. the the one of the year. <laughs> so um, uh, it was it was fantastic. Of course, there's like one or two dates out of the seventy where the weather is actually like that, but it was really really pleasant uh, to watch the game and the Braves won, so that was cool. Uh, so that's uh, something you could do. The, the Braves and the Shuckers uh, will play uh, the twenty fourth. Uh, through the uh, next Tuesday, the 28th, at Trustmark Park. Uh, gates open one hour before game time, which is uh, typically uh, 7 o'clock. So there you go. You have the two Mississippi teams facing off against each other. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Uh oh. That got serious in a hurry. The,
4: the,
1: the Bear Knucks Fighting Championship at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum and Convention Center in Biloxi. It's the 6.30 start time, and that is uh, going on Saturday, the 25th. Um, Liz, I heard that you applied for this, and they did not let you. For the sake of the other competitors, they did not let you enter. No,
4: because I kick.
1: Oh, man. It's not the Bear Toes Championship either, is it? I don't know. Uh, There's Pilates Express going on at the Past Christian Public Library. It's free, but donations are accepted for instructional expenses. Uh, Pilates puts an emphasis on alignment, developing a strong core, improving coordination and balance. They encourage you to wear comfortable clothes and flexible footwear at the Pilates Express uh, exhibition at the Past Christian Public Library. How about that? At the library.
4: Well, that's that's what. Uh, there's a number of things uh, they've got it going on on the coast. There's a number of libraries that do open that do have uh, different exercise programs, whether it's uh, Pilates or Tai Chi. Or strengthening things, so uh, libraries—it's where you know—it's not just books.
1: Absolutely. Um, today, there's a Parkinson's fitness class at the Mississippi Gulf Coast YMCA in Ocean Springs in Jackson County. It's an ongoing class at the Blossman Family YMCA in Ocean Springs. So, um, how about that? And um, you said you've seen reports that boxing. Or uh, boxing training, anyway, yeah, helps, has helped Parkinson's uh, patients?
4: Who was the the ABC blonde, used to be a nighttime anchor? I can't think of who she is. But anyway, her husband, I think, has Parkinson's. And they did a thing where I think that, that well, exercise, but then also I think boxing is supposed to help Parkinson's people. Very interesting.
1: I did not know that. Um, Let's see. Tomorrow, a strength and and flexibility exercise plan is going to be going to the Bay St. Louis Hancock County Library in Bay St. Louis. That's a free program that's designed to increase strength and flexibility in older adults, improving the range of motion daily and overall quality of life. How about that? lots of exercise going on to the library specifically uh on the Gulf Coast there.
4: That's right. I think uh you know our libraries if you haven't been to one lately there's a lot of internet access for individuals who especially don't have a a computer or if you're like me and you have a cell phone plan that's really cheap <laughs> if you need to use the internet really quickly uh you know zip into the library. A lot of them have movie days. Um there's uh something on our on our events calendar, uh, like they have parent resource things where you can uh, check out games to help teach your child how to read. The, if you haven't been to your library lately, especially if it's uh, hot, cold, rainy, or snowy, uh, they've got lots to do.
1: The library has, uh, they've really embraced technology. And if you hadn't been like I had not been up until like a couple of years ago, if you had not been to the library in like, I don't know, 10 years or so, um, from the different things that you could do now, you can electronically check out, you know, um, I guess ebooks, audio books, different right. things like that. You could do it through your phone uh, with your library without even really going there. There's a lot of different things you can do now.
4: Well, uh, and aside from these exercise classes, uh, we talked about sports, the sport of bridge. At my library, they play bridge every Wednesday. How about that?
1: Bridge. Very cool. All right. Well, um, the uh, high school football season started last week, and uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, bumps in the road Uh-oh. with the, the first week launch. There were uh, there was a a line of really severe thunderstorms that passed through Mississippi last Friday night. And uh, it, it botched games from from the Tennessee state line to the Gulf of Mexico. And there was a bunch of stops and starts because you know, every time you get a lightning strike, I think it is within eight miles of a stadium, the game is automatically stopped for a minimum of 30 minutes.
4: Yeah, yeah. We, my son was a lifeguard. Everybody out of the pool, yeah. if, you, if you hear the thunder <laughs> or the lightning.
1: Uh, and so there were a lot of games that were significant bumped back. Some were moved to Saturday. Some were finished in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, I saw a couple of uh, tweets roll across my timeline where games were ending the first quarter at like 10.15 p.m. And I was like, well, at least it's on Friday night. So you got nothing to do tomorrow morning maybe necessarily. So um, uh, the kids can sleep in. So can the parents for that regard, especially if you were traveling a long way. Um, But hopefully, and I haven't really looked at the radar for what's expected tomorrow across the state but hopefully uh, even if there's some rain there's not so much lightning and thunder and and severity and uh, we could get these games going because i know everybody was really really excited uh, in, in the football world for the start of high school football season and then after all of the training and all of the getting ready and the pomp and circumstance and then you get to the day of the games and then you have all this weather that just throws it all about and you're just like nah, this is not what we wanted.
4: Well aside from the football, you don't take those band instruments out no. in the rain.
1: No, you don't. Well and then too I mean I, we talk about like it's just a football thing but I mean there's there's the band and depending on what school and which classification, the band it could be like a hundred, hundred and ten kids, something like that, or more. Right. Uh, and uh, like I know, I used to do the Pearl Games a couple of years ago, and the Pearl Band had a more extravagant uh, uh, traveling—I don't know what you—envoy uh, <laughs> than the football team had. Right. Um, and that's—I know it's not just at that place. So, um, and then the cheerleaders, and uh, there's a whole lot of activity going on. You know, outside of just the football. Uh, so it's my hope that everybody gets off with a clean Friday night right. this week so they can uh, get their football fix, their football Friday night fix for real for the first time.
4: Well, one thing, uh, one event that I found that was interesting, uh, the Tupelo is having a pep rally today at five and. Um, and it's at City Hall at 5 p.m., and the the public is encouraged to attend. I went to a, a class reunion, uh, at homecoming, uh, I guess two years ago. And that was so much fun, to go back to my old school, to go to a pep rally. I was just amazed at, uh, after 30 years, um, <laughs> They still did some of the same cheers. And oh, chants. absolutely, yeah. And uh, uh, just to see the brand new facility, and it was it, it was really uh, encouraging and exciting to to go back to high school.
1: Yeah, and that's that's cool that uh, Tupelo is having a. It's not it's not the the typical like Friday morning. You know, in the gym, at the school, amongst the students' pep rally. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm sure they'll have one of those, too. But uh, this is going to be a big thing, 5 p.m. today, at the City Hall. So it's like a civic pep rally for the team. That's pretty cool. Bunch of big games for for the pre-region portion of the high school football season there's a bunch of great games from um, uh, Louisville and West Point uh, which are your odds on favorite for 4 and 5A playing each other. Uh, Louisville went down to Florida and beat a 6A team down there. Navarre, I think is who they beat this past week. West Point beat poor Columbus to sleep like 55-6 to and so those two teams look really really good. They're playing each other. Laurel and Hattiesburg will play for the Little Brown Jug. The Little Brown Jug. Yeah, don't ask what's in it. I don't know what's in Starkville and Oxford will play the Baby Egg Bowl. Uh, Friday night, uh, Brandon will go up to South Panola. Uh, Olive Branch and South Haven in in a big... um, Oh, uh, that's a big county county, rivalry. Absolutely. Uh, Pearls going over to Vicksburg to play Warren Central. Oak Grove and Wayne County is a a really nice game. Petal and Gulfport. Picayune and DeIberville both look good this past weekend. Uh, Charleston and Lafayette. Uh, North and South Pike will face off for the uh, bragging rights of Pike County, give or take of Macomb, uh, who will be hosting Hazelhurst. by the way. Canton and Velma Jackson will battle for the the bragging rights in Canton. Uh, And uh, there's a bunch of other good games, including Mobile Davidson, a top-20 team from Alabama, coming in-state to take on Meridian. Our thanks to Timothy Lewis, a great, great interview, and Liz for setting all this up.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.